Hello friends, this is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable inviting you to stay tuned for this edition of Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you're a return listener, we're glad you're part of the listening family right here on WMAF. And if you're a brand new listener, we welcome you today to this broadcast. If you're hearing this broadcast from our website, We're glad you came to visit with us. We hope you'll come back again and again and again. You will discover that there are no ulterior motives there. There are no strings attached. We want to share the good news of Jesus with everybody who will listen today. And therefore, if you're not a Christian, uh, do not exempt yourself from this Bible study. Maybe you will understand the claims of Christ better. We pray that you will. Maybe you will understand God better, His person, and His plan for your eternal good. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe you'll understand Jesus better, and, and through that, maybe you'll understand Christians better today, and, and maybe you will decide to become one before this broadcast is over, and we pray that you will make that all-important decision as God speaks to us through His Word and by His Spirit today. Amen. Well, we have a great message this week, and we're going to address it initially to every child of God anywhere in the world, regardless of your organizational uh, affiliation, uh, i.e. your denominational background. We believe the Bible to be the inspired, inerrant, eternal Word of God. And as we study from the Scriptures, we have a common ground if we believe that. We believe Jesus to be the mediator between God and man, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And we certainly believe in God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That exist in one God. Three three expressions of the one eternal God. So we just want you to join us today as we uh, maybe get a real sense of who we are as Christians in this culture that threatens to swallow us up if we allow it to. I make the statement over and over again. Uh, actually, a title of a book that I never read, but I was so inspired by the title to use it as an illustration of how we should see ourselves as children of God in a culture that is flowing away from God. And it, the title was simply Upstream Christians in a Downstream World. Certainly, we have to live counterculture if we are to follow Christ and follow through with our faith in this world. And the flow is stronger than ever. You know, it's like a flood tide to pull us away uh, from God's truth and God's person and God's Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully today. If you're a Christian, you're an upstream Christian in a downstream world. And it takes an, a recognition of who you are if you're going to have the necessary commitment and devotion in order to stay an upstream Christian 
in a downstream world and not be carried away by this flood of, of wickedness and this flood of compromise and flood of concession. Listen today. It is important that we take our stand, that we dig in, and that we encourage one another and that we are encouraged by the Word of God. So we need to see ourselves as the, the way we truly are as, as people that are here as aliens. <laughs> Amen. That our real, our real conversation, as the scripture puts it, for our conversation is in heaven, which means our real citizenship is in heaven. And we here are pilgrims and strangers uh, in the spiritual sense of it. That's who we are if you are a Christian. So we're going to be talking about living as pilgrims in a pagan world. Living as pilgrims in a pagan world. And we're going to be reading from First Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. You know, the Bible said we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but much more as we see the day approaching, as we understand where we are prophetically and that we are in the end times and Christ is coming soon and the day of the Lord is coming soon as well. That day of the Lord that will be known and defined as the great tribulation, uh, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. That day is hastening, and it's hastening greatly. And if we ever, ever drew close to God and renewed our commitment and our devotion, if there was ever a need for that, it is right here, right now. And the next verse says, exhorting one another. The, the, the primary reason for coming together other than corporate worship is to exhort one another. And that means to strongly encourage one another in right living. Exhortation. In other words, you need me to encourage you to stay the course. Hallelujah. To live for God, to love Him and live for Him like never before. And I need your encouragement to do the same. God has designed the church to be uh, completely dependent upon Him, but also interdependent upon one another. And this writing in First Peter is an encouragement to those who are under the, the gun. They were already sensing the, the persecution and the power of temptation and all of the things that the devil could manipulate the world system against them. And Peter was encouraging them and in exhorting them to see themselves as in the world, but not of the world. And let's read that together today. Living as pilgrims, in a pagan world, First Peter one uh, through First Peter one and verse nine. First Peter one one through First Peter one nine. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ 
which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively, literally a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Friend of mine, through Scripture, The people of God are referred to in various ways. We are sheep. We are His people. We are the called. We are the elect. We are the saints and we are the seed. We are the chosen. We are the children. We are believers. We are priests and we are kings in Scripture. This is not all, but it gives you some idea of the various ways in which we are designated in Scripture. And here... For this purpose, we are called strangers and pilgrims. I want to read from 1 Peter 2, verse 9 through 11. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him, literally the virtues of Him, who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light which in time past you were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dear beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. You see, these Christians, these brothers and sisters of ours, lived in the time when Nero was emperor of Rome. All men of such power seek to be worshipped, and that's exactly what he wanted. Emperor worship started with the first Caesar, Julius, after his death, revered as Divus, Divus, and the incarnation of Jupiter. Octavius, after the death, renamed Augustus given a place of equality with other gods of the Roman pantheon, equal even to Zeus. Tacticus, Caesar, during the life of Christ, didn't wait until death to demand recognition of divinity. He had coins printed with divine titles, like the one Jesus probably held when he said, Render to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's. Nero demanded that men recognize him as the incarnation of the sun god Apollo, worshipped on coins and in temples as almighty God and Savior of the world. Nero's own negligence and arrogance resulted in a fire that destroyed much of Rome. 
And you know what he did? He made a scapegoat out of Christians, and he blamed them and accused them of setting the fire and bringing the devastation. Historians say that vast multitudes subjected to grievous torture and execution simply for being Christian. Friend, that is not just back in those days, centuries ago. It is occurring around the world today. And the persecution of Christians, and I'm not a whiner or a complainer, I understand that if we live godly, we will suffer persecution. But the fact is that the persecution of Christians isn't in the focus of our political system or leaders. The persecution of Christians around the world is not a talking point on the major uh, outlets uh, of news. Journalists are not uh, giving any kind of, uh, to me, and I listen to the news. I want to be in the know. I want to know it so that I can, I can see the scriptures unfolding in, in what is happening in our world, in our time today. But, but this persecution of Christianity around the world, it is coming to and it is here in America. And it's going to intensify as we get closer to the end of time. Amen. And, and so in that jaded gladiator culture of Rome, they came to believe that Christians were being put to death to satisfy the cruelty of one man lasting three and a half years. And this is where the term Roman candles, some historians say, comes from. Nero used to provide light for his evening parties by the crucifying of Christians around his gardens and then burning them to illuminate the parties that were going on. I can't imagine a culture with a hatred so much for those people who come with this message of God's love and the saving power of Christ and His resurrection, that they would be used to illuminate these, these parties of debauchery in the gardens of Nero. Oh, friend of mine, I want you to know today that being a Christian puts you at odds with a culture that is going away from God. Being a Christian puts you at odds with an enemy called the devil that wants to destroy the souls of men's men, women, boys, and girls. True Christians do not worship idols or false gods or man-made gods who are no gods, nor do they worship men who think they are gods. They bow to one true God. So persecution came upon them, hot and heavy, and they were scattered. The meaning of the word dispersion, the Greek word is diaspora, and it's a noun form of the verb diasperio, which means to sow, to scatter seed. The term is found in John 7:35, and there it refers to the Jews who were scattered among the Greeks as a result of the Assyrian and Babylonian captivities. John 7:35 said then said the Jews among themselves whither shall he go that we shall not find him will he go into the dispersed among the gentiles and teach the gentiles see this is called cause some to conclude that Peter was writing to Jewish Christians who were living in the regions of Asia Minor which today would be modern day Turkey 
but what Peter was writing may be applied to you and me as Christians and to Jew and Gentile who were scattered throughout Asia Minor and to Christians who are on earth today since we are citizens of heaven and are only strangers and pilgrims in the earth. See, if you just see yourself as the follower of the Christian faith and not a pilgrim and a stranger, you are not prepared to suffer the persecution nor the temptation that God said would come as a result of the commitment to our Christ and our faith. To live as a pilgrim in a pagan world, we need a new mindset. Beloved, I urge you as pilgrims and strangers, Peter said. That's how we are to think about ourselves. We live in a world that's now under the dominion of evil and the evil one. Thus, we are not simply foreigners. We are on enemy turf. We dare not forget it. If we were to visit Iraq right now or Afghanistan, I'm sure we wouldn't forget that we're on dangerous ground. We would be on the alert constantly, prayerfully, and personally and practically. The words aliens and strangers are synonymous. They point to one who is a temporary resident or a traveler in a foreign country passing through on his way to his home country. Such a person has a different mentality about life than a permanent native has. And Peter instructed them to see themselves in that light as pilgrims and strangers. We used to sing the song uh, years ago, This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. We used to sing the chorus, Take this whole world and give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. The reason is because we saw ourselves as pilgrims and strangers. We used to sing, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I believe there's a danger today in the postmodern world uh, that we begin to feel at home in this pagan world because we don't see ourselves as citizens of heaven just passing through. Years ago, a tourist went to visit a Polish rabbi who was a very devoted man. When invited into his home, he noticed it was only one room with a bookshelf, a cot, and a chair. Where's your furniture, he asked. Where's yours, the rabbi replied. Oh, I'm just visiting, said the tourist. So am I, said the rabbi. Oh, friend, that's why we sang with conviction in our hearts the old hymn, This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. What an affirmation of faith. That is the mindset of the pilgrim. We travel light. We are not passing through without a final destination. To live as Christians in a pagan world, we need to be focused on heaven. I know you've heard the statement, so heavenly minded, he was no earthly good. Well, I want to edit that a little bit. I believe it should be said, if as a Christian, if you're not heavenly minded, you're not going to be of much earthly good. You're not going to be the father or the mother that God called you to be unless your sight is beyond this world and its values. 
How many mothers have placed a value on the on just just getting more things for the family as an expression of love instead of being there to guide the family? How many dads are workaholics that are willing to forfeit quality time with their children in order to give them more things and thinking that the things will take the place of the dad or the mother in the lives of those children? We must be focused on heaven if we're going to be the witnesses that God wants us to be to the world around us. You know, Colossians 3, verse 1, 2, and 4 says this, If you be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not the things above upon the earth and mortify your members upon the earth literally put to death it's the prerequisite for following Christ for being a disciple of Jesus if any man come after me Christ said let him deny himself take up his cross and then and only then can we truly follow Jesus and in order to do that you have to see yourself as a pilgrim and a stranger someone who is just passing through, not someone who is trying to make this world their everything and their home. You know, we know we are pilgrims on this earth and that God is our guide and protector on this journey. It's not as important for us to know exactly where we are going on the journey as to know that we are on a journey here. When we know that we are only pilgrims, it becomes less important to have a permanent dwelling place in this world. When we approach life as a pilgrim, it's much easier for us to look beyond the troubles and trials of this life and to look for that city whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. When our attitude toward this life uh, is that way, God is not ashamed. To be called our God. When we embark on this journey. We become like our spiritual father. Abraham. In Hebrews 11. Verse 8 through 10. It says by faith Abraham. When he was called. To go out to a place. Which he should after receive. For an inheritance obeyed. He went out. Not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned. Sojourned in a land of promise. As in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. This simply means dwelling in tents. This is not huge edifices. This is not great mansions or building. The heirs with him to the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims upon the earth. In other words, the way they lived their life here, the values that shaped their lives here, confirmed their faith that they were looking for something beyond this world, living for something beyond the immediate, temporary gratification of the flesh. They came out, they, the Bible went on to say in verse 14, 
For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, they had been mindful of that country. If they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is an heavenly where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. Hallelujah. Friend, they were not looking for a, a city where they could get rich and famous and, and, and make their mark and have everything that the world says will fulfill you and make you happy. They were looking for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Ah, the message of the coming of Christ to take us to a place where He hath prepared for us. Hallelujah. That message that causes us to look and long for His coming and His appearing and to live our life for something eternal and not something temporal has to come back into vogue, back into focus that we see ourselves as Christians, as pilgrims and strangers. Maybe it won't be so hard to say goodbye to this world when the time comes to leave this world if this world doesn't have such a hold on us and such meaning to us. If this is all there is, we would try to hold on to it with everything we are and everything we have. But this is not, oh, thank God, this is not all there is. We're looking for a city that is eternal. We're looking for a place where there's no cancer, no heart disease, no war, no terrorism. We're looking for a place that we're going to live forever with God. Amen. And it is so far beyond anything that this old world can offer. We should begin to move away from the culture that is focused on this world <laughs> and live counterculture upstream Christians in a downstream world. And the anthem of our soul should be that song theme, take this whole world. But give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. All these faithful ones that we've been reading about, according to one paraphrase, it says this, All those faithful ones died without receiving what God had promised them, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed the promises of God. They agreed that they were no more than foreigners, and nomads here on earth. And obviously people who talk like that are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had meant the country they came from, they would have found a way to go back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For He has prepared a heavenly city for them before Jesus left, uh, to go to sit by the Father's right hand until the time that He is told to come and bring His people home. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go to prepare a place for you in that place, my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be. Amen. Looking for a city. It's a song we used to sing, where we'll never die. Where the sainted millions never say goodbye. There we'll meet our Savior and our loved ones too. Come, O Holy Spirit, all our hopes renew. Friend, we need that attitude, that mindset, that value system back in the heart of every child of God. And if you're not a child of God today, you need the hope. You need your faith in Christ Jesus. You need your sins forgiven. You need to know that when you die, heaven is going to be your home forever. And the new Jerusalem is going to be where you will spend eternity. Ah, friend, if you don't know Jesus, you can't put your hopes in such an uncertain, temporal, transient world. For our life here is indeed but a vapor. It appears for just a little while, and then it's gone. So I pray today that you will come to Christ, repent of your sins, and receive Him as your Savior. And if you're a Christian, that you will see yourself as a pilgrim and a stranger and follow Jesus all the way home. 